sorry for bombarding you, mate, but um, just finished listening to your Dolmorbid episode. And, oh, God, I really want to play in that now. I so, so want to play in that. Uh, I'm not in the playtest, so I don't know if I'll ever be able to play it or when or whatever, but sounds amazing. The Lich Way. Oh, what a great call-out to that amazing classic White Dwarf adventure, The Lich Way. I don't know if you know it. It's, it's, it's one of my, like, nostalgic favourites. It's so, so good. And Dobie. Dobie. Do you, do you know um, Kojak? <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. Um, what's his name? Who wrote? Who wrote? C knows Kojak. That made me laugh. Dobie. Things he won't share with us. The darkness in his brain. The dungeon master's plan. The pleasure and the pain. What's better left unknown? My name is Che Webster, and this is the Roleplay Rescue Dungeon Master's Diary. Hi Che, I think I've worked out what's going on with these envelopes. Obviously, when the postman realises that they've got one of my uh, one of my products tra- in their, their greedy little hands, they just can't help themselves. They go, I've got to find out what this, this latest product from Goblin's Henchman is, so I'm not surprised at all. Um, but in all seriousness, actually, I'm, I'm going to put this down to the cheap A5 envelopes that came from Tesco, because I've had a look at them and they look a little bit flimsy. So probably terrible idea for International Post, but um, I would have thought it would have started up to UK postage. Anyway, I think that must be it. Hi, Che. You uh, talked in your last DM's diary about, um, you know, almost like wanting your, your school group to sort of fly the nest um, and become more self-sufficient. I wonder if one way you could do that is say, I say, well, next session I'm, or the next session after that, I'm, I'm going to be a player. Who's DMing? And see who picks up the gauntlet. And once they're in, the, in that role, they might be far, find it quite comfortable to continue. Or the other way to go is possibly offer to co-DM, where you sort of say, well, I'll play the, the NPCs. But I think that, that never really works, the co-DM idea. But I don't, just a thought for you. Cheers. Mr. Goodman there at the top of the show and Goblin's Henchman. Thanks, mate, for calling in. Uh, really good to hear from you. Yeah, I think that's a good idea with the school club, um, asking them who's going to DM. Might well do that when I get back. Thanks for the idea. Game on. Hey, Che, it's Rob from Down in a Heap. I finally caught up a little bit. Um, actually current with season number five. And I really and am... Uh, intrigued to try out that new character attribute generation method that you outlined where you roll the dice and then assign it to an attribute before you move along to the to the next roll. I think that's really interesting and it's um, I guess it's those types of things that get me really excited where it's not really new kind of rules or um, mechanisms so to speak but just a different way of approaching it that I think is, makes this hobby so cool that I've been playing this game forever and never thought of doing that. So thank you very much. I look forward to hearing more from you in the future. See ya. Oh, and I meant to say in my last message too that I would really be interested in 
hearing you take a look at the various, I don't know, the evolution of the game from OD&D to through 2nd uh, edition. I think that could be really cool to do a little compare and contrast side by side with the various, uh, I don't know, aspects of the game that have changed. Go for it. Rob C, down a heap. Thanks for calling in. It's great to hear from you. And I'm, I'm, am I mistaken? Is that the first time you've called in? I could lose track. It's been a while now. It's been a year and a half. So I do lose track. I'm sorry if you've called before. But it's great to hear from you either way. Rob, glad you like my way of doing character generation, which I did for ASE um, a couple of weeks ago now. I'm amazed that nobody else has ever kind of heard of that or done that. So great to have two now players, and Shandy Andy being the other, who have reacted positively to that. Um, yeah, anyone else out there using it, please do call and let me know how that works for you, because I'm curious. And regarding the Dungeons & Dragons kind of comparison, I'm very much up for doing it. It's just a bit of a project, isn't it? So maybe I'm going to have to schedule that in. Um, I'm looking ahead to what I want to do in Season 6, so... Maybe that's something we could look at. Um, yeah, that's one vote anyway. Anyone else interested in hearing me compare the editions of Dungeons & Dragons through the years? Yeah, well, just let me know if you do. Thanks, Rob. Hey, Shay. Um, thanks very much. I listened to your latest episode. I don't remember the number, but you played my message, which was very convoluted and difficult for me even to listen to. And I think you picked out some some threads from whatever I was trying to say. I think I overthought the subject over complicated things, but uh, there's something in there. There's something I was trying to get across. Um, I'll keep on working at this anchor thing and uh, hopefully I'll become more um, fluent or, or uh, whatever as time goes on. But uh, thanks for picking, up, picking that up and uh, playing with it anyway. Have a good weekend now. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Hello, Minion. Thanks for calling in. It's great to hear from you, dude. Please don't over-worry about everything. Dropping in a message via Anchor is... Yeah, it's not easy, actually, to do it in a minute. Um, but the alternative is, obviously, you could always just open up a sound recorder on your mobile phone and email that in. The email address is hello at rpgrescue.com. Um, and that's sometimes easier for people. And it's a general open invitation, I guess. When it comes to your message, I know that you kind of love to make sure you've got your words straight, write them down, and then kind of call it in. And I think that's great. If I had one bit of advice, it is slow it down a little bit. Don't worry about that minute. You can have as many one-minute messages as you want. Or, like I said, you can just drop it into one long one in an email. I will always want to play them. And so, please... Don't stop calling. Okay, Andy here. Um, as usual, I'm calling you from a street. I, I don't know why I always do this to you, so I'm sorry for the, uh, for the traffic noise. It's Andy from Grizzly Peaks. And um, I was just listening to your, I guess over a couple of episodes, you were talking about this pressure you felt to do the maps. Um, and in the, you know, to go beyond from the sketch map to something very high resolution and, and making dungeon tiles. And I think I used to feel this way. I mean, I, I, I guess you may or may not know, but, you know, I studied art. I, I spent a lot of years doing art and I work in design. So it's actually not that hard for me to do this stuff. But I, I got to the point where I just thought, well, well, why bother, actually? You know, is, is having a gorgeous map, okay, is having a custom-made, hand-drawn, 
graphic.custom app really adding that much to the game? And um, I think my conclusion was no, it's not. <laughs> At least the amount of effort it actually takes. There are many, many other things that you need to spend time working on um, that, that really do have a huge impact on how the game plays out, which is thinking about what the dungeon is and what monsters you're going to put in it and what the theme is and oh dear that horrible word what the story is um yes i have dungeons with stories uh it is possible um yeah don't 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 ever get me onto the necromancer's uh the necromancer's uh, bedroom that is not a nice uh, yeah that's not a good scene anyway um yeah he, he has a large human shaped of uh, thing under the covers of his bed yeah it's not good it's not good anyway i'm i'm wibbling um so yeah maps um so what i did was um for, I did, it was it went in two stages I, after deciding now i'm not going to spend all this time making maps i thought okay what i want to do is I'll, I'll look for maps on the internet that actually somehow represent the space that i want the uh, adventure to be in you know be it a pirate's cave or a uh, tomb or whatever and that's okay, but none of them are quite right because, you know, nothing's quite in the right place and there's a bit of compromise. And then I hit on the genius idea. Just get really good maps and use that as the inspiration for designing your dungeon. So simple. And, of course, what I did, like I'm sure millions of other people did, is I got Dyson Logos maps because they are effing fantastic. They are gorgeous. I mean, they're obviously black and white, but they're so beautiful and so clever as well, actually, if you look at them closely. So I would, um, I would just get a Dyson Logos map that's more or less approximated something like what I knew I wanted. Like, I knew I wanted um, uh, a temple of, uh, for Yuan Ti, the serpent people in D&D. And he just happened to have a map that was Temple of the Serpent. And it was just perfect. Um, the main entranceway, the main corridor, was this huge sort of sinuous snaking corridor that led up to this big chamber with a serpent's head, like in in, in um, mosaic on the floor. It was just perfect. Um, and that inspired me to design the whole of that dungeon. Um, uh, made me, you know, it, it, it provided fantastic fodder. So that's what I do now. If I need a map or if I want a map in the game, I just get one and I write the story I write the adventure based on that map. See? Easy. Is anyone else worried about what's in that necromancer's bed? <laughs> Thank you, Andy. I think that's got to be some of the best standard advice on maps I've heard. Um, brilliant stuff. And, you know, um, I'm sure if you've had all the way through the back catalogue, as I know Andy has, you know that I'm a big fan of Dyson Logos too. I use a lot of his maps. And I think it's great to be reminded, actually, because... I'm getting into my Donwood campaign and I think you know as I need locations yeah his website is a place to hit there are so many free maps you can just grab and use um, and so that's exactly what I'm going to do the dilemma I had of course was regarding the dungeons of Thal and that's a mega dungeon and I kind of feel like my mega dungeon has to be my map um, and in fact the first parts of that dungeon have don't tell the players they've been randomly generated and of course, that means that they don't look anything like and behave much like most people's maps. You know what, though? Last night, I got a really good game in and I've broken the maps down into pieces and I'm just slowly adding to them. And I'm thinking about only making the stuff that may well be a battle map, which 
is kind of a cool way of thinking about it and is just making life a lot less stressful for me. So, yep, I'm going to use your advice and go to Dyson to steal maps for Dominwood. Um, and I'm just going to take it slow and easy because I realized I can get probably two or three sessions out of a single section of map with the Dungeons of Thal. It is pretty slow going right now. And part of that is because the players, you know, they're having to deal with some kind of interesting challenges. Um, and when you combine those challenges with their caution, then a fantastic story begins to emerge. And I just think that is lovely. Anyway, Andy, thanks for calling in. Game on. All right, it's Monday morning. It's the uh, first day proper of the half term, which is always a good thing. Deb and I are both off work, but I um, got up early, very excited this morning to work on the Traveller project. And, you know, I, I just I just really got excited. I've really blown away, actually. Um, so just a quick recap. Last day, I read all three versions of Cepheus that I have. Cepheus, of course, being the retro clone of the 2D6 science fiction game, also known as Traveller. Um, and I, I started with Faster Than Light, uh, Cepheus Faster Than Light, which only takes a few minutes to read. You can probably read that in under 30 minutes, even if you're a pretty slow reader like me. Um, and uh, short version is, I think it's a great pickup game, but I hated it. <laughs> um, basically, lots of things not explained. Um, because the issue I've got is that nobody's explaining how to play this game. And I don't mean like the rules. I mean, how do you actually play the game? So it's a fine set of light rules, um, but it didn't do what I needed to do. So then I read um, Cepheus uh, Light, which of course most people think is the probably the best rendition of Cepheus for playing the sort of original Traveller. Again, read it, and again, I tend to agree it's pretty okay as a set of rules, but it completely fails to tell us how to play the game, and I don't mean the rules. Then I looked at Cepheus proper. Now, I think Cepheus, as a, as a set of rules, is probably the most complete and does the best job of explaining like how to start playing. Um, but I, I got to... I, it's the end bit is a chapter. I don't know if it... I can't even remember what chapter number it is. I want to say 17, but it sounds completely wrong in my head when I say it. Um, anyway, it's a bit on like refereeing, like running a game, running adventures. And it's just laden with all of the old kind of cliches, you know, five act structures and all of that malarkey that I found completely unhelpful every single time I've tried to use them. So um, that was the disappointment. Um, and that's when it kind of struck me. Well, actually, it struck me at midnight when I went to bed uh, last night quite early, about nine o'clock, and um, I woke up about midnight in the loo and it just suddenly struck me while I was kind of like uh, in the loo that I, I really just need to dig out Classic Traveller. I own it, for goodness sake. I own everything there is for it. So... That's what I've done this morning. I got up early about 5.30 and um, I, I grabbed my classic Traveller box set, which I'm delighted to discover is the 1977 edition. Um, and for those who are Traveller aficionados, you will be aware that the 1977 edition is the edition that is completely unsullied by the Third Imperium because the Third Imperium didn't exist at that point. The 1981 edition that is usually reprinted and is in the reprints, I've got the big um landscape shaped reprint books uh that's the 81 edition that actually is already becoming becoming a word infected is probably strong but yeah that infected by the third imperium stuff and and 1977 is wonderful because it gets right back to the root the original kind of statement of the game which was completely without 
setting. And that's kind of what I needed, so that's brilliant. And of course I own both editions because I have the reprints, I can, I can look at both. But it does prove, by the way, that I own the 1977 edition, which means I bought it, certainly, um, a copy before the 1981 one hit the UK and became kind of you know, really popular. And because Traveller sold so well in the UK, as far as I understand it, there are so few copies as far as I'm aware, it really strongly indicates to me that I was playing Traveller with my mate Daniel before um, 1981, um, which completely sort of skews and changes my my thinking because I'm wondering whether I actually owned Traveller before I owned RuneQuest. I'm, I'm, I'm really wondering now, I'm really curious... Rinkest is the game that I remember like being most excited about and had the biggest impact on me and the sort of first role playing game I own is the official story. But now I'm not sure. Um but that box it definitely goes back. And and then over the years I picked up one or two other things in there are various I think high guards in there, mercenaries in there, uh, books four and five. And um there's there's marooned there's uh, yeah, the double adventure marooned, um which is uh, has the, the adventure marooned and also has the other way up if you read the book the other way up it has the uh, solo version of that which I'm dead curious to read um, you can see how my books are relatively underused because in characters and combat is the most strongly thumbed and the other two you know because I wasn't GMing back then I was playing and I think I may have bought it just because I was playing so it's interesting um it's really, really interesting to think that I I think I was playing... Tra I mean, I'm almost certain I was playing Traveller at the turn of 1980 um, for various other bits of evidential reason I won't get into, but i just so excited to get back to it. Anyway, um, I've come up with a plan, and I'm going to execute that plan over the coming weeks, months. I mean, it begins with really digging back and trying to learn to play Classic Traveller, because while Cepheus is going to be the brilliant use... Its purpose for me is to be able to essentially restate if I write anything and I need to publish it obviously Cepheus is the basis for that um, without infringing Mark Miller's copyright um, but I think in terms of the blog and in terms of the podcast I think I can talk quite openly about playing Classic Traveller and getting back into Classic Traveller so that's what I'm going to do and I'm just so excited to do it, game on We hours of the morning again so I'm talking kind of quietly Diving back into Traveller, um, just been reading through book one, Characters and Combat. I've got all the way through character section, number of wonderful insights there. Uh, I think most notably is that there is no unified dice mechanic. People always go on about how Traveller, classic Traveller is like 2d6, roll 8 plus. That counts for combat. But actually there are all sorts of other, essentially little bits of guidance which point to the GM rolls 2d6 or the player rolls 2d6 and the GM pretty much is expected to uh, decide what the role is on the fly if there's a role required at all. Now, each skill has its guidance um, and there are some patterns in that but it is, um, it's far from a, a unified mechanism, you know, which I think is rather charming. I think when I approached this last um, talking more than 10 years ago, I was kind of put off by that. I remember it being kind of, up, oh, you know, it's going to be too complicated. Um, 
it's amazing, isn't it, how your mindset sort of allows you to delve in. I um, also keep having flashbacks to memories, which is kind of amazing. There's a bit I haven't read through combat yet uh, fully, but I uh, I was flipping through and there's a, the the weapons table, the weapons matrix, the range matrix, um, and uh, I just remember these, and I remember poring over these things as well, really trying to understand. And I remember it wasn't about understanding the rules, it was understanding kind of what difference different guns made, different weapons made in combat, which is part of the excitement, isn't it, of uh, gaming? Well, I think it always was anyway. It is really interesting, a couple of things I noticed, uh, just flipping through the books, that um, the combat rules contain, like that book, Characters and Combats, contains kind of rules on weapons and... um, kind of combat required stuff so weapons and armor primarily and a couple of accessories like a silencer and stuff like that and it's not until you get into i think it's actually book three adventures um worlds and adventures that actually you get the equipment list (laughs) of other stuff so that's kind of interesting anyway um what i'm going to do this morning is i'm going to do the thing okay oh yeah um I just remembered I yesterday I, I found um book zero. So it, I did I never had the deluxe traveller set. Um I uh I have the, the standard black box from nineteen seventy seven as it turns out. I was so excited to discover mine's the original box set. But in eighty one I think it was, they, they created uh they did a new edition of the game and there's the massive difference, well, a pretty significant difference between the 81 edition and the 1977 edition, which is something, by the way, that I, I kind of intend to investigate. But um, in 81, they also put out a deluxe edition, which included a book zero, which is basically the introduction to Traveller. It's, and it's a wonderful little booklet. Now, I, I own this, not in print, but I own all of everything there is to do with classic traveler digitally because you can go to far future enterprises that's farfuture.net and you can buy a cd-rom or a series of cd-roms really with all the files on and um i've had classic traveler one for about eight nine years easily and um in there is book zero and i have to say if you've not read book zero and you're into traveler that is worth a read. Lauren Wiseman wrote it, and it is a really interesting guide to what role-playing games are, for starters. And there are some wonderful bits in there I could I could build episodes around. Um, but also just a kind of guide on how the game is approached. Now, it still falls short. It doesn't give us the, the structures that I'm looking for, but it gives massive pointers as to how the game was played how the game is intended to be played which is wonderful so now in there is a guide to like how to get into it and um i'm following those steps at the moment which is to go read like flip through all the books and then to read book one read the character creation and then go create some characters and then read the combat rules and learn how to fight combats and then i think the next step is go give yourself a million credits go read the uh, trading rules um and do some trading and then from there it goes into um run a spaceship so imagine you're running a spaceship amongst six worlds um using the trading rules and bring in the running a starship rules and then it's 
get a bunch of your characters that you started with and try and hijack the spaceship that you were just running around in. That's a kind of building towards a proper scenario. Um, and then from there, go start building your worlds and everything else. So it is a wonderful little step-by-step of how to get into the game. And it was really interesting to notice that the trading rules and the running the spaceship kind of rules was seen as a necessary step um, in learning to play this game. So I'm really tempted to follow that process, actually. But, um, yeah, I'm now going to sit down. I've read through the character creation, as I said, and I'm going to go and roll up some characters, which is something I always love doing anyway. Um, so this will be a bit of pure pleasure, really. And then after that, I'm diving into the combat rules in earnest so I can learn to do some fighting. Here we go. Just been running myself through my first ever Traveller Combat. Well, I say first ever. My first Traveller Combat in about 35 years. Aspen versus Cassius. I basically took two of the pre-generated characters that I'd uh, kind of created... Uh, a couple of days ago now and I ran them through a basic combat sort of simulation I essentially imagine they're in a sort of urban um, combat range and resolved it, it was really interesting I'm going to stick the um, solo play description up as a blog post um, so hopefully that'll come up over the next week or so if I get a chance to do that and um, yeah it's quite interesting I it's brutal Essentially, um, I don't want to spoil it actually, it was just really, really short, 30 seconds the battle lasted two rounds, which is kind of cool, I think it's one of the best things about um, sort of older games, isn't it, they're brutal, um, but yeah, really good, got to try out range combat and a close combat attack, um, and really saw the benefit of surprise, really loved it, uh, do if you get a chance, check it out on the Roleplay Rescue blog, um, I think that's probably gonna come out the Sunday after this gets released, but we'll I'll kind of see what I can do about that. Game on. Just want to record something real quick. I'm really sorry this is turning into Traveller Week on the DM's diary, but I just looked up on a shelf in my hobby room and um, I could see a stack of like little pamphlets, and I think, oh, okay, some sort of zine or something. What's that up there? Pull them down. It is a treasure trove of traveller, classic traveller stuff. I mean, an entire set of 1981 traveller rules and every book all the way through to, is it book eight, robots? Book nine? Book eight. Yeah. Um, plus some adventures, uh, about four or five supplement books, including the Spinwood Marches, which I was kind of wanting to read. Um, and also a stack of stuff from BITS, the British um, British Isles Traveller Society from the 90s, I think. They were written for Mark Miller's Traveller, Traveller 4, and obviously GURPS Traveller. Um, and you've got things like 101 plots and 101 governments and 101 patrons and 101 cargoes. And they're just great resources. And I found those. So I'm um, amazed. On related note, I'm just going to mention this. I really got into uh, play with Traveller over the last couple of days, soloing. And I think what I'm going to do, just so I don't kind of interrupt my fantasy games online and what have you, I'm just going to start doing a bit of soloing, actually. Um, try out a game, because it's just really hooked me in. And that was the reason I wanted to look for the Spinwood Marches, because I was thinking maybe I could just actually set my campaign there, do that classical thing, and sort of learn the game that way. So that's what I'm doing. Game on. 
All right, it's Friday, and um, I'm not a home alone today. It's great, and I'm just been doing some podcast stuff, and it's got some mail, so got a nice jiffy bag, and also got a nice box. Um, I'm just gonna do this. I, I'm getting a little bit like, should I really do um, these kinds of box opening things and packet opening things? But you know what? It's kind of fun to share these moments with you. I've got a pair of scissors and I'm just going to cut the very top of this jiffy bag, which is kind of heresy in a way, but it's the easiest way of getting in. It's been so well packed, so we're just chopping it off. And here we go, diving inside. Now, I ordered this stuff actually yesterday afternoon, so this is super quick um, and just shows how awesome this company is. I know what it is. I can't, well, I think I know what it is anyway. So what have we got inside? I've got a basically a load of... Now I've bubbly wrap stuff wrapping up the product. I've got a flyer for Hammerhead, the Newark Showground uh, War Games Illustrated Hammerhead Painting Competition 2020, and up to 70 historical fantasy and sci-fi games on display. That's actually just at the road from me, and I had no idea it existed. Newark Showground. Um, wow. Okay. Um, this is from. A company called Ground Zero Games, who if you're not in the UK you may not have heard of, but they're basically a miniatures company, and yes, I am unwrapping miniatures. So now what I did is I've, I've made an order, um, because I decided I really do at some point want to get back into mini painting, but I'm also doing something strange, because I'm looking at Traveller, I got some 15mm stuff, so I've got some 15mm science fiction adventurer miniatures. And I've also got a fantastic 15mm model of a grav car, which is going to be a fantastic stand-in for a um, an air raft, which is one of those wonderful vehicles in Traveller. And I got basically a bunch of adventurers and a bunch of goons. Now these are 15mm, are quite small. I haven't got my glasses on, but they look cool. And I'm going to be delving into using 15mm because that's the recommended scale. It's also a scale that allows me to play with vehicles. And I kind of remember that I loved playing. Back in the day, I used to play Stargrunt, which is a set of rules written by Ground Zero Games, produced by them. Um, and there's another set of rules called Dirt Side, which I loved even more. Um, and these games used uh, 28, 15mm and 6mm figures. And frankly, 15mm is a lovely scale for wargaming. So I thought, why not do my sci-fi stuff in 15mm? And expand into some wargaming stuff. I can do some skirmish gaming too. Game on. Okay, packet number two. This will be really quick. But again, unfortunately, this is definitely going to be the Traveller episode, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, probably no one will be listening to it because, um, you know, I think if I don't mention um, uh, like D&D, I tend to find my listener numbers drop. But there we go. Um, oh, this is from Docs Direct. You always get a Swizzles refresher or some other sweetie in the box, which is fantastic. Um, Docs Direct are a UK-based printer. They will do your hobby stuff for you. Um, I use them a lot, actually, for um, especially when I was doing my GURPS stuff and I was printing up the GURPS PDFs for myself so I can read them. Um, anyway, I'm experimenting. I have tried printing up. These might be too small, I don't know. But in A5, I've printed up TAS Form 2, um, personal data and history, your basically character sheet, TAS Form 2, because I was thinking that actually a little A5 booklet with your stats on might be kind of cool. Quick update on Thal, really. 
Getting ready for tomorrow night's game. Looks like we've got another player signed up. Looks like GM Shadow might be joining us, which is awesome. And Jason Connolly also has signed up in the last couple of days, which is brilliant. I just love it when we get lots of gamers. I've taken the map that I'd previously built and sort of split it into some sections. And I've just been stocking some extra bits of that, which has been fab. And yeah, it's kind of fiendishly bizarre, really. I think it will be fun. Um, no spoilers I guess but uh, yeah really up for it really interested and excited about getting in there and um, I guess there's more than I probably need I'm hoping fingers crossed anyway but it's going to be pretty nasty so we'll see how they get on tomorrow yes indeedy hmm yeah um, not much else to say really so I wanted to drop a note about solo play I posted about this in um, the Discord and also over in the Lone Wolf solo role-playing group on MeWe because I wanted help. But I always feel a little bit shameful about solo play. I mean, I use it for learning and I use it for trying out games. But I never seem to be able to quite commit to doing anything longer term. And I really kind of want to. But it feels like I've got this mental baggage. It's kind of like a... Feels masturbatory, to be honest, if you'll pardon that phrase. Feels how I used to feel when I was a teenager and I kind of locked myself away in a room because playing games was pretty much frowned upon, unless it was social. The idea of you gaming on your own in your bedroom was pretty much madness to my family. And um, yeah, I used to hide away, and I think that's probably where this comes from. But. Um, I've got to get over it somehow, I think, because there's a real opportunity, isn't there? I mean, the upsides of solo are now pretty clear. You get to play whenever you want. You could probably potentially get a weekly game in. He'll be a fourth game for me on top of sort of Fridays, Saturdays in school. And it would be freedom as well. You have creative freedom. You can do whatever you want, right? But I kind of have this block and so I don't know. If there's anyone out there who does solo who has any advice, I'd love to hear from you. I wanted to record this really as a follow-up to my comments earlier this morning about soloing. And um, I dropped onto the Lone Wolf solo role-playing group on MeWe, which if you haven't checked that out, you should. They're a great bunch of people. And I basically fessed up about this feeling. And I've had a really nice discussion on there today. And it's really encouraged me. So I just wanted to say really a thank you. Anyone on that group who's listening, just thank you. Um, but I also just wanted to say I'm sitting down this afternoon. I'm just going to transfer the notes. Um, over the last few days, I've been creating characters. I've created six, I think, characters using Classic Traveller. And I was just going to now transfer them onto some character sheets. So I've got printed up. So I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to start soloing. I'm going to have a go. Lots of people seem to feel that I should just not overthink it. Um, so I'm going to grab the Mythic Emulator deck, GM Emulator deck, uh, to help me with my play. But um, I'm also just going to, I think I'm going to take the introductory adventure at uh, the Imperial Fringe and use that as a basis and then kind of we'll go from there. The, the goal, if, if I haven't been clear, I guess, the goal is I own almost everything that's ever been published for Traveller. And of course, the Traveller has the official Traveller universe, the third Imperium universe, and I kind of want to go investigate it, and I rather strongly suspect that there isn't anybody out there, or at least there aren't enough people out there who would want to kind of, you know, connect up with me maybe online or whatever and run a game, have me run a game. Um, so I felt, well, why not just solo it? Um, and I kind of see that as two things. Partly it's pleasure for me, 
And partly it's the, if I'm soloing, I'm essentially it's a kind of way of prepping as well. So if in the future there was ever anyone who wanted a game of Traveller, um, then, you know, they would be able to do that. The other thing I can do is um, over a period of time, if I, if I find, you know, that I don't enjoy playing Classic Traveller, um, I've got all of the editions of Traveller. <laughs> and there is a part of me that kind of feels that maybe what I'll do is work my way through the different systems over the years as well. But, um, you know, I don't know. The main thing is I'm starting, and it's largely down to the encouragement and the help and the support of the Lone Wolf guys over on MeWe. So thank you, guys. Game on.